Ayana Dior, we speak your name. Tony McDade, we speak your name. Brianna Taylor, we speak your name. George Floyd, we speak your name. These black lives, both trans and cis, were taken from us, both by the hands of law enforcement as well as by the hands of those within our own community. Two episodes ago, I read off four totally different black trans and cis names that have been killed. And yet here we are again, just one month later. Since the last episode of THS, a lot has changed in the world. After George Floyd's murder at the hands of the Minneapolis police, the revolution turned up to levels we haven't seen in decades, and in some instances, we haven't seen before. Within the last month, we reached a point where there were marches taking place in every single state in this country. Every last one. Many people are finally waking up, while some are sadly just sleepwalking. We are at a very pivotal point in our history, one where white people are being told to own their shit, to stop asking for black people to do the work, to educate them, and for them to do the work, educate themselves, and dismantle the centuries of racism they've poured into this country and take responsibility for the blood that is on their hands. However, this is also a point in history where black cis-hetero men and women are being asked to own their shit as well, to acknowledge the blood on their hands. We're asking them to dismantle the decades of endless hate and destruction toward queer, trans, and gender non-conforming brothers and sisters, to stop thinking they can get away with putting an asterisk next to Black Lives Matter. They must own what they've done to us in the same way they want white people to own what they've done to all black people. Right now, this country is raw, bare, exposed. In this moment, we have a chance to heal some deep, deep wounds. However, this is only possible if people are willing to see themselves, to own their shit, and become action-based for the positive of this country. Do not allow yourself to fall back asleep. Wake yourself up from falling to sleep. And do not sleepwalk. Be here, right now. Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. We win when we heal together. We must heal together, black people. Let's get healed. Oh.
as sure as you moan. Just as sure as it takes two eyes to make a pair. <laughs> Brother, we can't quit until we get our share. Say it loud. Welcome to The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Ekundayo. What's up, Misfit Universe? Okay, so let's get right into it. Our guest this week is Sir Oya Ra, Mr. Maryland Leather 2020. Here's a dear friend of mine who I've known for many years, and I actually talked about him about two years ago. There was an episode of the podcast when I went home to the DMV, and when I came back, I talked to you guys about, or I may have actually been up there when I recorded it. I can't remember, but I told you guys about my very first BDSM experience. Um, it was amazing. I actually really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I had never experienced anything like that before, you know, uh, and there were a lot of first experiences <laughs> during that. So, uh, yeah, I thought that it would be cool to have him on here um, for a lot of different reasons, you know. So you misfits know that THS is all about healing and educating um, and there are a myriad of different ways to heal. And in the almost three years since we've had the podcast, you've seen this to be true. BDSM is a form of healing. And I wanted Sir Oya here to break it all down to you, to debunk the myths and to share stories about the leather community and much more. So I personally think you will enjoy it. <laughs> and this episode is 
a balance, as you all know, that is one of my favorite words. And uh, it's a balance of talking about a lot of different issues that are going on right now in the world in regards to the black community, uh, as well as also leaning into this particular way of healing. And I think that it will make for a, a well-balanced episode. Uh, I thought about it, and I originally was going to do an episode last week. It was going to be 15 minutes, because the truth is I haven't had the mental bandwidth to really wrap my head around doing an episode specifically focused on Black Lives Matter. Uh, I think it would have been a little too too much for me, you know? So I held off on doing even the 15 minutes and figured that I would put that in this episode just to even give myself a bit of balance when um, when thinking about it, you know? So I started out the show the way that I did uh, because I wanted people to be aware, you know? When you first listen to the very beginning of the show, speak those names with me. Understand where we are in the world right now, where we are in this country right now. In how we need to move forward, you know? But then we bring in some joy because we need to have the balance of those two. Be angry, be ready to fight back, you know? But also understand that it's necessary to find your healing as well, to be able to step back and to be able to say, okay, let me just take a moment, let me get myself together. Put all those pieces back together. All right, I'm ready to go back out there and fight, you know? So this is what I want that episode to be for you. I want to light a fire under you, but I also want you to be able to enjoy yourself. Definitely, most definitely. So let's go ahead and get into the check-in. So for to start off the check-in, I want to thank all of you for the love that you showed the last episode. Um, it was a part of the COVID check-in series. And uh, Mike Ward was our guest. Love that brother. Love him. Um, and we always have a great time, as you all are able to see. <laughs> we always have a great time. Cannot wait to have him back on here. And um, the love was appreciated. I always love when you guys tag me, when you tag THS Podcast, and that you know, you're know you having it in your stories and everything, letting people know when you tweet, letting people know. It's always appreciated. So thank you so much for that. Also, I'm recording this on the 9th of June. So I voted today, and this is my very first time voting in Georgia. Uh, two years ago, I believe there was a, a vote that was going, election going on, excuse me, and I was still voting back home. And it just so happens that I was home that particular weekend when the voting was taking place. So I was able to actually vote that Tuesday. And I was like, well, what are the odds of that? Um, and I actually did early voting for the first time, and that was really cool. So this is my first time getting to vote down here. And the process is a little different. Um, there are some things that are definitely different. Uh, like, for one, when we were voting, you couldn't see who was Democrat and who was Republican and who was Independent. And I thought that was, I was like, oh, well, that's weird. Um, so you definitely needed to make sure that you did your research so that you knew who you were voting for. Like, they don't even show you the parties on there. Um, so that was one thing that I thought was interesting. But yeah, so knock that out, got that done, you know. And um, also, let's see, what else has been going on since the last episode? Okay, so I don't know about any of you who are listening, but a brother has definitely been feeling really overwhelmed. Again, I don't know if any of you can relate. Uh, I've been feeling overwhelmed about several different things. Um, work work i've been feeling a little overwhelmed um 
mostly in the sense of I don't know what's in the air but my clients seem more problematic than usual not all of them not all of them uh, just a handful but for whatever reason like they're really showing out and I don't know what's going on and it's kind of like I look at the majority of my clients and I'm like, oh goodness, can I just do more sessions with them? <laughs> but but the ones who are problematic are the ones who for whatever reason want to be up under me the most. And I'm like, it's it's exhausting. It's really, and, and that's the thing. I said I'm overwhelmed. It's not really that I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted. So let's take that word away. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. There we go. Not overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. Uh, and so I haven't been on campus since last Thursday. And like I told you guys, you know, the way that my schedule and everything shows up now because of COVID, I'm only on campus on Thursdays. So it was a lot last Thursday. <laughs> you would have thought I hadn't been there in a month. That's just how packed my schedule was. And so I won't be back again until this coming Thursday. Uh, I've been working from home or I've taken off because I, I really needed to show up for myself. And when one of my um, coworkers found out how much time I have, he was like, if you don't take off, like, why do you have all this time and you haven't taken off? And I was like, touche. Okay. Um, so I took off. There'll be more more days taking off coming up uh, because I really really do have to pour into me more and there was a period especially when I first started working there that I was pretty good with showing up for myself especially before COVID you know I was going and getting my massages getting my manis and petties finding different ways to be able to show up for me a lot of that has fallen to the wayside in 2020 and I can admit that and this is not what 40 was supposed to look like However, I have to pay attention to what I just said. I said it was supposed to look that way. Who knows what the universe had in store, you know? So I'm just riding the wave right now. So that's everything when it comes to work. Uh, I'm also exhausted when it comes to projects. I have a few different things that I've been working on. And you know me. It's it, I'm not one of those kind of people where I have to put, put out everything that I'm doing. Um, putting it on social media and all of that stuff. That was a lesson I learned over a decade ago about, you know, working on what it is you need to work on. If you can talk about it, talk about it. If not, then don't. Um, so there are things that I'm working on that I haven't really talked about, but I'm exhausted by them because work takes up a lot of my life. And so attempting to do these other things too, I'm so exhausted by the time I'm done with my kids that focusing on other things in regards to me and that's a problem like i know it even when i'm saying it it's a problem but that is my reality right now so you know i'm working on how to be able to show up for me a little bit more um which never used to be an issue so even as i'm saying that to you guys right now i'm kind of having an aha because i'm like this this wasn't you you've always known how to be able to fill your own tank back up and i feel like i've been on half for most of 2020 you know um but all of these projects that i'm working on are really great opportunities for me so i don't want to mess them up you know so got to do what i want to do uh also goals and aspirations so i've been feeling exhausted when it comes to that as well uh things that i want to put into place for myself and have 
completed or at least up off of the ground by the end of 2020, been struggling with. I've really been struggling with it a lot. Uh, and that kind of goes into the next thing on this list as far as feeling exhausted. And that's living in Atlanta. You know, um, I have been here for over three years now. And I've, I've reached a point. I've reached a point where I, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't think I've thought as much about moving back up north as I have in the last four months. Like heavy heavy and one of the biggest things is is that i still struggle with community in atlanta and you know i i know i'm not crazy because i talk to a lot of people down here not only transplants but people who are born and raised here and they say that it is very difficult to be able to find community within black queer spaces you know and I don't know like I don't I don't know the kind of person that you need to be because living up north it wasn't a problem and I know I've talked about that on the podcast before but it's the truth um, and down here it continues to be a struggle for me do I have people absolutely I have people that I genuinely care about down here but it reminds me very much of DC in the sense that if you're not moving in a particular direction a person can't have anything to do with you, you know, and pedigree means so much down here for me to hear so many people talking about being creatives, you know, I, I didn't think that that was a role that that uh, creatives moved within, you know, but it's like pedigree means a lot. Oh, you don't have this. Oh, you don't have that. Eh, you know, so mm, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting because as I was saying when I was talking to one of my friends today on Marco I'm like I have done some of my best work when I was in partnerships or with teams and I can admit that you know there are leadership trainings that I went through when I was younger where they stressed that if you are someone who is leading you want people working with you who know certain things that you may not necessarily know and like i said to him with a lot of people who are younger than me they're all about i want to learn everything i want and i mean I, i'm not saying that one is right and one is wrong i can see the positives in both you know but a lot of people want to know all of it so they're willing to do absolutely everything by themselves but me the most successful things and endeavors that i've had have all been with teams so with me doing what it is that I'm doing by myself, and I, and I mean, you know, as I'm saying this to you, I'm remembering what he said to me, which was take into consideration that you have an entire podcast that you've done for yourself. And this is true. I've had no team for the healing space. Um, I, this is all edited and produced all by me. <laughs> so, you know, I hear him when he says that it doesn't mean that it's not exhausting doing it all alone. It is. And... It will be just it would just be wonderful to feel like I I had more community down here. But at this point, I just have to kind of decide for myself a new direction that I'm going to go in and how I can show up for myself a little bit better when it comes to my goals and aspirations. Or just really say to yourself, you were down here for three years. I mean, if nothing else, I gained a lot from my job i gained a lot 
And I'm all about, you know, being able to take away experiences, learning lessons. And if I was to leave Atlanta, my job alone would be a wonderful thing I could reflect back on. Of course, I have beautiful friendships with a, a small handful of people that I've been in. But that's enough. You know, that's enough. It honestly is. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what this time next year will look like for me. I don't. Because I just renewed my lease. So I'm here at least for another year. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what takes place in the next year. So yeah, that is me being exhausted <laughs> within the check-in. But what does my self-care look like? Because of course, once again, there's balance. So exhaustion is real. However, on the flip side of that is my self-care. It's so funny, I think back to when I would never say self-care, I would always say self-love because I just despise when there are like these it words that everybody loves to use. But anyway, <laughs> and I always eventually come around. Uh, but yeah, so my self-care looks like a plank challenge that I've started doing. Did it years ago, so it was it was in my phone. Um, I have in my al photo albums an area for fitness where I have different fitness challenges. And this plank challenge I hadn't done in a few years. And I was like, you know what? I want to do it. So you go through. Well, they have rest days, but I kind of struggled if I want to rest or not. I'm like, dude, it's not like I'm doing planks for a long time. I can rest the rest of the damn day. But anyway, so yeah. So it's I've enjoyed doing that because I have to hold myself accountable to make sure that I'm knocking it out. Also, my personal yoga practice with the amount of time that I get to be at home now. I've started focusing on my own yoga again, which has been very, very important because my body has felt it. Uh, the weight that I had lost last year, I gained it all back during COVID. So, and I mean, and I haven't focused a lot on my own personal practice. So my body has been like, dude, no, you're, you have never felt your age. I feel whatever people believe 40 is supposed to be because as I say all the time 40 is actually quite young um, but my body feels the way people say that 40 is supposed to be so yeah I'm now officially fighting back against that and uh, the gyms are open back down here again I'm I'm a little apprehensive about going just a little uh, but I also know what heat and humidity looks like to someone with asthma outside so the jogging and running that I would like to be able to do may not necessarily be the smartest thing. So I can focus on, you know, getting back into the gym and listening to them when they say that they're doing the social distancing or just see what it is that I can do in the house until I feel safe enough to be able to go back to the gym. Also, speaking, oh boy, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of humidity and heat. Woo! Self-care is teaching back on top of Stone Mountain. <laughs> and the reason why I made that sound is because my first time back up there since October was a couple of weeks ago. And I had a great turnout, a great turnout of spirits that came with me. And oof, wow. Yeah, man. It's just like when you start to work out again and because your body is like you haven't worked out in a really long time, you feel it. That's what that, whew, I don't think that I felt that bad going up the mountain in the three years that I've been here since the first time I went up the mountain. The first time I went up the mountain, I had to literally lay down halfway up and be like, nope, 
you gotta give me a minute because I feel like I'm about to die. I feel like I'm about to have an asthma attack and throw up all at the same time. And that's what this time felt like. Except I think I stopped more this time than I have before. There was one point where I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to keep going. Had a whole asthma attack. Had to take out my inhaler. Can't tell you the last time I used that thing. And was like, no. <laughs> but I made it. I made it to the top. I made it to the top. So I wanna give a shout out to both Darian and Devin for being with a brother the entire way. They did not leave my side. Uh, and that that meant a lot. That meant a lot. Thank you both. Thank you both. Thank you both. But yeah, got up there, taught, and it felt good. It felt good to all of my students that were up there with me, to those who joined in while we were up there. <laughs> Thank you to all of you. Thank you to all of you. We, we had a blast. Um, I did have a moment. I did have a moment. There was uh, a white guy and a white girl who ended up joining in. She seemed a little bit, I mean, well, no, he seemed very loving and very peace, but I can say that their, their privilege was getting on my nerves. It really, really was. Um, there was a certain level of respect that they didn't have for the class that was going on. Um, that doesn't normally happen because COVID wasn't a thing back, you know, last October, my last time teaching. So when we do our classes, we're usually pretty close together. But because we were practicing social distancing, they were in a huge circle around me. And I was in, a, I was in the middle of the circle teaching them. So there was more than enough room for people to be able to walk up in. So they were walking up in and they were doing poses with us, which is fine. People jump in and do yoga with us all the time. However, they were constantly talking, you know, constantly talking, cheering them on, cheering me on. And this is what, that, that's what was annoying me. And it was annoying me because if you're talking, my students can't hear me giving them instructions and direction. So it was kind of getting to me because I was kind of like, in this moment, I need for you to own what it is that you're doing and to be able to say to yourself, one, because, you know, we were doing this on the mountain while all of this issue has been going on. So it's, it's not like they weren't aware of the times that we're in right now. So it's kind of like, you know what? Let me really pay attention to myself right now and understand that this probably isn't the best look around nothing but black people. You feel me? And to step back. But on the flip side, they were very sweet, very sweet. And they left our presence about two or three times. And every time they did, you know, they were like, we love y'all. Y'all are doing an amazing job. You all look beautiful. We love you all so much. Peace and love. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. You know, so I, I really appreciated that because as obnoxious as it seemed, they didn't have to give love to us. You know, they didn't have to say we love you. And to me, that means something. Again, as I've shared with you guys before, I was raised on being told that I was loved every single day. So those words really do mean a lot to me when people say them. Um, so yeah, I was kind of torn, but I can say I was glad when they left. <laughs> but you all can go over to um, the We Are TLM page either on Facebook or on uh, Instagram to be able to see videos and pictures from our time on the mountain two weeks ago. And that is We Are TLM, W-E-A-R-E-T-L-M. That is the love movement on social media to be able to check out those videos and pictures. So that was good too. Also, I've started using this neck massager, which is, it's so sad. Uh, <laughs> this was purchased for me over two years ago and I had never used it before and 
Devin was like, if you don't use the, cause I've been sleeping incorrectly. Like I've been sleeping on my stomach and you're not supposed to. That was one of the first lessons I learned when I first moved to Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta and I went to this mixer, this queer mixer, and um, it was in a gym. And so the chiropractor got up and he was talking to everybody and started educating people on the proper ways to sleep. Sleeping on your stomach was the worst thing you could do. And I was like, my God, I've literally slept on my stomach my entire life. <laughs> like, what? And it finally educated me on all the issues that I've been having with my neck. Ta-da, you know? But it feels so comfortable that every now and then I just fall back into it again. It's a very comforting position for me to go to sleep in. However, I took out the massager and finally used it. And like when I was done with it vibrating on my, cause it does my, my neck and my shoulders. And when I was done, like all the pain was gone. And I'm like, dude, you could have been using this two years ago. <laughs> I have that. And it's also, uh, I received a gift that was kind of like a home spa, like something I can use for like pedicures and everything still in the box. Still have not used that one. All of this stuff that I can use for self care right in my bedroom. And I've never used it. I don't know <laughs> I'm so I'm so not like into into like material things like I, I can't stress enough I really can't and it's not like something that I pride myself on it's just I don't know those things I I appreciate gifts I do I think they're nice when both of those things were purchased for me I thought they were really really sweet but like when my birthday comes around people are like what do you want your presence that's what I want and I don't mean presence as in gifts. I mean your physical presence. That means more to me than anything. You know, that is, those are memories for me, you know? So it just takes a while for me to like actually use gifts that people give to me. Cause I'm like, I mean, I appreciate it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so that massager is wonderful. And now that I'm saying this to you all out loud as far as the little uh, pedicure thing, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna use it. Shut up. I'm gonna use it. <laughs> Next is television. I have watched way too much TV. Way too much TV. It's not. No. No. There's no reason why I should watch as much TV as I've been watching. Especially because it's made it difficult for the next thing, which is reading. I've been doing my best to read more because I miss that. That was me. That was Raven. One thing you knew about Raven is that Raven reads. I created an entire damn open mic based off of reading. Yet, I have struggled to read the way that I used to since living in Atlanta. And that is the interesting balance of Atlanta. While I've done more mental health work... Well, that's not true. I did a lot of mental health work up north. However, for me, I feel like I've done the most impactful health work, mental health work since living in Atlanta. On the flip side, I have lost a lot of me. A lot of who I personally am has been lost since living down here. It's just in a very inconvenient truth. <laughs> but it is, it is, you know? And TV has completely taken over. Streaming services rule and books and I hardly see each other. And it used to be the other way around, you know, I had to struggle to make sure that I was keeping up with television shows and things of that nature. But a book was always getting read and quickly. Now getting through one book is a super struggle. 
super, including books that I've read before. And you would assume because I've read it before, it's like, oh yeah, I know how long this will take. I can get through this. Nope. Struggle. So yeah. Um, Self-care, yes, when it comes to books, but I need to be able to find more time to be able to truly get into them and block out the world. Because another thing is this phone, man, this phone. Again, I don't know how many of you can relate, but the phone just needs to be off sometimes. Seriously, it just needs to be off. But me, I'm one of those kind of people where I worry about others. And I don't want there to be a situation where someone's attempting to contact me because they're in trouble or God forbid someone else is calling me on behalf of someone that I love because something's happened to them and I missed the call. So yeah, I battle with that. Um, I battle with being able to tell myself, stop having anxiety about turning your phone off and worrying about people. Focus on yourself. Focus on yourself. So yeah, yeah. Exhaustion self-care and uh <laughs> learning to get back to me that is the end of the check-in i'm not actually going to do a culture of pop this week i'm gonna chill on that um, i think i'm going to wait because insecure season finale is next weekend so i think i'll come back with culture of pop talk about that and then just bunch a bunch of other things into uh into culture of pop especially because i don't know if there's going to be a whole lot that i'm going to be able to talk about and check in because i don't think between here and now there's going to be a lot that takes place so <laughs> i may skip over the check-in next week and then just go straight into culture of pop so we're going to get ready to go into my interview with sir oya ra which i think you all are going to really enjoy but before that like i told you we're going to have a balance so, we started off with James Brown to begin the show. Now, the balance. <laughs> Before we begin to talk about BDSM, check out Janet Jackson and Rope Burn. Enjoy, Misfits. Mm, my lips hurt. Just go. 
So I'm not exactly sure what took so long for me to have him here on THS, but I definitely believe that everything happens for a reason. With everything that's going on in the world right now, we could use a bit of an escape. And he provides that in spades to many. So Misfit Universe, please help me in welcoming my dear friend, Mr. Maryland Leather 2020 himself, Sir Oyara. Welcome, bro. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to the Helix Base. For talking to you. <laughs> it feels like we haven't talked in forever, not in depth anyway. It's it's been a minute, you know. Um, I feel like I have endless questions, things that I believe I may know, but the misfits may not, things that I feel like I don't know that I would like to be educated on as well. So it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here. Uh, we've definitely never had an episode quite like this before. And I thought that it would be something beautiful to have. And it's become, for me, even more important to have this conversation with everything that's going on right now. You know, just kind of finding different ways to have conversations about healing, what healing looks like in different ways. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I understand. So I wanted to ask you first, you know, there's not a lot of research I have to do on you because I've known you for years. But in reading um, one of your profiles, it said that you consider yourself to be a kingster a fetishist, a leather man, an existentialist, among other things. So I wanted you to explain to the misfits, if you could, if you could break down at least what two of those things mean, just so they have kind of a better understanding of who you are. Oh, okay. So as far as being a kingster, um, being, first you have to understand what, what I guess the definition of kink might be, or mm-hmm. what, what I consider the definition of kink to be. Um, and I, what I, how I explain it, if you, if you think about that wasp mentality of like what life is supposed to be like, that, uh, that white picket fence, that uh, house with the car, the dog, the two children, 
um, any ripple in that image is considered a kink, okay. right? And so when, I'm, when I say that, I mean, we go as deep as um, understanding that, that that house, that car, the, the, the two kids, the dog, probably is also coupled with, um, possibly, I won't say probably, possibly is coupled with like missionary style sex, right? Okay. Like, and, any, and, and, and the only use for sex in that space is procreation. Right. Right. And so what we dive into, what we dive into in, in kink is, so what happens if I want to put my toe in, in your mouth while mm -hmm. we're in missionary position? Yeah. Or what happens if I want to, like, if I have an obsession with your nipples while we are, like, that is when we tread into, like, kinks. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it are, there are these minor things that may or may not, or people may or may not pay attention to that arouse us. Mm -hmm. And so we just hyper-focus on those things and, and we're able to, like, call them out and define them as opposed to kind of haphazardly tripping upon them in a hot session. Right. Um, and so as a kinkster, I am a person who is, to some extent, you know, um, I guess you could say obsessed with exploring uh, those nuances and, and, and those intricacies of, of arousal. Um, Absolutely. I, you know, some things as weird as like, you'd be surprised, but body worship, a body worship is a big thing. And mm -hmm. like you, uh, it's a strange thing to be completely turned on by somebody worshiping your kneecaps. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> but it is, but for someone to be so delicate and be paying such close attention to it, it, it is very arousing. Yeah. So that would be my, my definition of kinkster, like a, a person who's kind of dived into exploring theirs and other um, people's kinks uh, or, or uh, attractions. Okay, so to go hand in hand with you breaking down what a fetishist would be, what is the difference between a kink and a fetish? So I, so I broke down the definition of kinkster. The definition right. of a fetishist is somebody, um, it's, I guess it's a similar concept, just re replace the word, but then I have to define what a fetish is, like as you just asked. A fetish would be considered something that it seems like you can't have good sex without. Ah, okay, okay. Right, or you, you're not going to have your best sex if this isn't included. Mm -hmm. Whereas a kink is just something that may naturally organically happen. Okay. Or growth, you might grow, you might, you know, choose when or whether or not you want to explore that. But like, this thing is a must. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So what do you believe would be some of your deepest fetishes? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, what, I think the deepest one, I guess I can attribute would probably be like surrender. Okay. Because that like when, when someone is acquiescing to what it is that I want to make me happy. Yeah. The possibilities possibly are lim only limited by my creativity. Mm -hmm. and somebody like gives themselves and like I, I mean it could be some you know it could be we even have those moments in sex where you can almost just feel a person like um let go yeah like they're they're no longer you can sense when they're no longer concerned about how they look 
yeah. in the moment or how they um how how you think of them in that moment that that surrender of just letting you take advantage that is that is something i i fetishize absolutely yeah i guess for me and you can let me know whether this is something that's considered a, a fetish or not educate me um i love multitasking would that be considered a fetish is it is something that kind of has to happen to get you get you all the way there it doesn't necessarily have to happen, but the height of my arousal, like it goes up high when it's taking place. Like yeah. it makes it makes my orgasm even more amazing if I'm multitasking. Mm-hmm. Okay, that could be a thing. absolutely. I mean, even if it, well, and because that would venture into to me, you know, possibly like more than one party involved, or yeah. like and and these things absolutely heighten and like exhilarate um, the, the experience for you, then yeah, they could be considered fetishes. Absolutely. Okay. Come on, Misfits. We're learning. We're learning today. <laughs> okay. So you've come a long way in the leather community. So yeah, I wanted cool. you to talk to the, why you have that face? Why you look like no, that? I was like, yeah, cause you've been long for, you, you, you made your first pit stop. When I first started. Right? Right? <laughs> and I can't wait to get to that later on because I've been wanting to. I talked to the Misfits when you and I had our experience together. I came back and talked to the Misfits about it. And that was, what, two years ago. So I didn't really get too in-depth. So to have you on here and for us to discuss that is going to be a lot of fun. Yes. But, um, what was it that initiated the first spark in this particular light in you in regards to the community? So generally when I tell the story, I say that like I had a series of like bad sexual experiences. Mm. Um, and I won't even say that they were bad. They were just kind of like meh, like lackluster. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and what that made me feel like was there's got to be some other way, some deeper ways of connecting, right? Like, that make this that that is going to make sex more entertaining, more lively for me. Um, and I, you know, I had been well. First, I, you know, I've been kinky for a long time. I just didn't know what it's. I think when we were younger, <laughs> yes, we, you have, Lord, we call it freaky, right? We're, like we're freaky, but like as, once you like start to take it more seriously, it kind of moves from like that freakiness to like that kinkiness, yeah. where like becomes more like technical skill versus like um you know just being dirty you know yeah. quote, quote, dirty um so you know for me i lost my virginity both my virginities guy and girl in public so i have a mm. very exhibition kink yeah um because i was under i lived in a strict home i couldn't bring anybody home and i couldn't go to nobody's house so if i was going to get anything it was going to be at school or somewhere outside of uh, actual physical home yeah so now that is something that has grown where like i i like outside i like you know exhibition i like being alone walking through the woods completely nude something like that it is that is invigorating i might not even need a complete sexual uh climax from it but it, it just you know makes me feel amazing to do yeah um and so you know i've been a been kinky for a long time, but I took it seriously after I want to say Black DC Black Pride 
2017. Mm-hmm. So, because I, like I had these guys that uh, came over, mm-hmm. like one guy a day throughout yeah. Black, uh, Black Pride weekend, which is, you know, that's fairly modest. That's right, pretty- it, it, quite, it is quite modest. <laughs> um, but these were people who I had kind of like fawned after on Instagram for a very, very long time prior, like, you know, let's say months. Yeah. There were months where I was like, oh, he's hot, oh, he's hot, whatever, whatever. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I've had my way of being able to like really touch some of the like more aesthetically pleasing of the people like i've been through i'm like uh, you know i got a little sw- i must got a little swag or something because i've <laughs> however i would get into these positions with these beautiful people and the sex would be dry like mm-hmm. like they would only want to lay in one position or right. like or you know it was just it was there was no connection to it and i i, I said you know i gotta figure out how to be, be better at nav even 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 be better at navigating even if it's them coming to my space and then just me having control me feeling more confident yeah. and having control of the situation to demand or ask for what I want out of the situation as opposed to just taking what they're giving me mm-hmm. because they don't they might not even because I'm not expressing myself here's the truth they might even, might not even know that they can let go yeah. Right, because I'm not asking for it. If I don't tell them that I'm kinky, then they might not feel liberated to show me their kinky side because, hey, this is the first time we're meeting. Right. But if I am forefront with like, hey, you know, this is this is who I am. This is what makes my this is what makes my sex work for me. Then that in my mind is like the light liberating the light. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm I'm I am by me being forefront with who I am. I'm allowed, I am giving you the space to like, be like, yeah, well, you know what? I actually like toes myself, right? Right, or, right. That's, so that's been my journey. Yeah. And I, I think that's beautiful. And that's something, I don't know if I've ever actually thought about it that way before, but that makes a lot of sense, you know? Uh, and especially with who you are on social media now, people already know who they're getting, you know? Yeah. So I already have an opportunity to come to you as I am bare instead of feeling as though I need to hide certain things because you might judge me. You right. Know? I know that Sir Oya won't judge me, so I can... No, 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 no. <laughs> right. This is no place for judgment because I'm, in my mind, in a, mo- in a lot of cases, I'm kinkier than most of you. So, yeah. like, I'm not going to judge you because I'm pretty sure that you would, the, the things that you're interested in I've already either come across, experienced, thought about, been like there there is no judgment. Yeah. So okay, so we're gonna talk this actually leads perfectly as far as judgment. We're gonna get a little deeper into uh scenes later on. Mm-hmm. So uh this is kind of a two-parter. One, can you explain to the misfits what scenes are? That's one. And two, what are some myths and things that you would like to debunk? about your community scenes and things of that nature. Okay. So um, a scene would be considered uh, or defined in my, in my opinion as like an experience. Like mm-hmm. It is a uh, intentional uh, exchange of energy that creates a memorable or, or impressionable mm-hmm. 
experience. Um, and so, you know, people see whips and they see chains and they see floggers and they see, you know, blindfolds. And all these are all like, you know, the mass produced societal images of uh, BDSM. And yes, they are very much included in what it is that we do. However, it's really not about the fact that the tool is used. It's how it's used. It's yeah. when it's used. It's what it's used and coupled it, what it's coupled with, mm-hmm. what it's used and tangent with, is what I was going to, going to, going to say. Um, how long it's used. Um, is it used to challenge the person that's receiving it? Mm-hmm. Is it used to arouse the person that's receiving it? Is it used to discipline the person that's receiving it? Because dis- being disciplined is that person's kink. Yeah. So in a scene, it is intentionally built to, let's say, what we use the word, go on a journey. I'm going to take you on a journey from A to B, to A from A to Z or A to B, depending on how you look at it. Um, and I, I as the dominant, uh, or as the, the the person at the helm of the scene, get to navigate taking you through this journey. Yeah. Um, uh, so an example of a scene just for like posterity could be, let's say you come over from this, when the, the door opens, I tell you to drop to your knees. Mm-hmm. When you drop to your knees, you're automatically feeling that sense of like, okay, he's in charge. Yeah. I might tell you from there, from the door to crawl into the room. So I might be adding a degree of like degradation and humiliation of degradation and humiliation um, to the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that might be eternal because like, you, you know, you, here we go. I'm sorry. I have to take this tangent. Uh-uh. I, I'm here for it. Come on. <laughs> when we talk about BDSM, when we talk about scenes, usually there's somebody just like in sex, mm-hmm. just like in sex, there is somebody who wants to be used and there's somebody who wants to do the using. Mm-hmm. The difference is the person who's being used is consenting to being used. Yeah. Whether that is, and it doesn't matter whether they are top or bottom. That's not, that's not in, uh, as, as far as our, uh, our gay vernacular, we believe top and bottom to be the person taking it or the person re- taking the, taking it or the t- person receiving it or, or giving it or whatever the case might be. In right. this particular instance, that is not uh, completely solid, right? Where we are now, where, where we are is, because you could be a dominant bottom, mm-hmm. right? You could be using the dick like a pogo stick. Right. Can I say that? No, you're fine. Okay. You, you, can, you can literally say whatever you want on this, this podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. That. So you, you could be a dominant bottom and be using the, per, using the dick as a pogo stick. You could be using that person and they love it. Yeah. Because you are getting your best life while you are taking control of that top. Yeah. Right? But you're the dominant even though so it becomes just a little bit more intricate and then the flip side is there are some bottoms that like to just feel surrender they're just like the they just want to be taken advantage of and you know like open them up and like and so that really there is somebody in in any equation that is being used 
and or doing the using. Yeah. Or let's say being useful mm -hmm. and then being utilized. Yeah. Right? And so we translate that into BDSM as like, okay, well, when somebody comes into my space as me being the dominant or, you know, pr promoting that this is this, I, I exist in a dominant space. When you come to me, that means that you, you to some degree want to either feel a new experience or you're coming to let go and give me control. And mm -hmm. that it is then my job to make it the sexiest, most intimate, most um, gratifying release of control that you've ever experienced. Yeah. Because we all love control to yeah. some extent, right? <laughs> yeah. And, but what we, what we seldom feel is the reward mm -hmm. of letting go. Yes. That's what we seldom feel. So my expertise is to make the best use in a scene yes. or in, in, in that time that you're with me of that need to let go. Nice. Okay. So I, I, I'm not sure how many off the top of your head you can name because I know when I was with you at the Eagle, I saw quite a few. But what are the particular roles in a scene or just in your community like you showed me so much in just the you know two instances where we when we were together, as far as who people are, pups and all of that kind of stuff. Like, how would you explain to people who the different roles are and all of that? Um, I'm sorry, I feel like I I also I skipped the question. Okay. Also, um, did you explain to people what BS, BDSM actually means? I didn't do that, and I didn't debunk something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, BDSM is defined as like bondage, um, domination, or discipline, depending on who you ask. Uh, sadism or uh, submission. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, and then mastery or uh, masochism, depending mm -hmm. on who you ask. So it's BDSM. You can either be bondage, discipline, sado sadomasochism, meaning you know. Uh, Sadism being someone who likes to deliver discomfort. Mm -hmm. um, masochism being someone who likes to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I say those words very uh, intentionally because I wanted to be clear. Here's where we're going to debunk something. Yeah. Um, pain is not synonymous with harm. Mm. Okay. Right? So you might see somebody being hit with something. But that doesn't mean that they are enjoying it. And it yeah. doesn't mean that that is harming them. It means that this particular medium is being used to provoke the same chemicals that being happy or having sex would produce. Yeah. It's just not that, that vehicle. It's the same, it's the same neurochemicals mm -hmm. from being spanked and, and tied up that exists even in sex. Yeah. And so what we're doing is just manipulating those chemicals to give you that same type of euphoria as if you just, you know, busted a nut. Okay. Uh, we are manipulating those chemicals to give you that same euphoria as, you know, let's say coming out of a hard situation in life. Mm -hmm. That moment, because what most masochists will tell you is it's not the pain that they're attracted to. It is the process of processing the pain and 
the the feeling of relief after the experience is done. Yeah. Right. There is a high that comes from being challenged and overcoming the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of what we do in BDSM is very like uh, uh, representative of, mm-hmm. I guess, or um, symbolic even of the things that happen in life. Like life is life ain't life ain't easy. Right. What we know about life is that you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Until we come out on the other end and we can then take that really nice deep breath and be like, whew, I made it out. Yeah. That's that same feeling that I can maybe create in, like, in an hour. Mm-hmm. Or I can, I can create that in 30 minutes. I can, I can create that feeling of, whew, he pushed me. Yeah. But I got through it. I'm actually, and from that you get, I'm strong. I'm a bad bitch. I didn't break. <laughs> like, all, you, there's these thoughts of like, he didn't break me, or I made it out of that, or I challenged that fear. I overcame that trauma. Like, there's just a lot of things that can happen just by the, by the consensual. Mm-hmm. That's really important. By the consensual uh, application of difficult or uh, difficult situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so debunking what we what we do is just is is not just harm or just hurting people or what we are hurting them because or we are causing pain or discomfort because that is what they came to us for. That's what they that's what they're asking for. That's what they're right. saying. I need to I need to feel this release. For some people, it's replacing the drink. Yeah. It replaces the drink. Some for some people, it replaces the drug. For some people, it is just simply, it's something that they can go and talk to their therapist about. Mm-hmm. You don't know. We, I personally, as a practitioner, never really know. Right. I think, we, I, think I did that. Okay, cool. You, you did, and I want you to hold off on breaking down the roles, because okay. what you just got finished saying is, like, goes beautifully into what my next question was going to be which is how does your practice heal others? And then how does your practice heal you? Okay, I'll start with the others. <laughs> this may get emotional. <laughs> I can't promise you. I've been really lately. Listen, I'm here for it. That's what the healing space is about. If I could, the best way, the best thing I could do is give you an example of, of, of what a healing, my, a healing thought process in my head would be. Mm-hmm. We have been quarantined for about two, two, two months, I'm sorry, two, three months since February. Where are we? It's February, uh, March, April, May. We're in May, about to go into June. So it's been three months. We've been isolated. We have not, we've been quarantined. We've been in the house, restricted to just being by ourselves and yes, this, that, and the fourth. One of the things that I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to doing a bunch of mummifications mm-hmm. after this. Um, what is a mummification? A mummification is literally what it sounds like. It's me wrapping you in some type of medium. Could be plastic wrap, like um, saran wrap, plastic yeah. wrap, packaging wrap, and making you feel like snug as a bug, snug as a little cute, cute uh, snug as a little caterpillar. And, you know, and it is a form of highly restrictive bondage where there's really no escaping it. It's, it very much requires you to trust the person that's doing it because you can't really break the plastic. Yeah. Um, but in that, one of the things that I posted is that I am really looking forward to showing people how free they actually were. 
Because once I bind you even tighter, yeah, then with then you being able to mosey around your your apartment, right? Yeah. If I bind you tighter than your restriction of being not being able to leave outside, you'll then be able to put into perspective. Well, at least I was able to walk around my apartment. Mm-hmm. At least I was able to open my window and go open my door and walk outside and go for a walk. At least I was able to, you know, talk on the phone and connect with somebody. Yeah. Because at this moment, I'm mummified. And I have, no, I, I have no choice but to either go deeper internally or transcend ex, existentially outside of myself to just settle in being uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, like, it, healing, and for me, the healing for me in that is, is bringing people, it would, is that it would be bringing people back to a, to an equilibrium, okay? Of, un, like I said, understanding that you weren't you we are restricted but you're not as restricted as you thought you were yeah so that is a really good example in my mind a really current example of the work that i'm looking forward to doing uh to heal absolutely um but and you and you broke it down really well too oh, thank you <laughs> um, but, uh, but that is just an example so like you know sometimes it is i've heard of therapists oh, I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of being around some wonderful sex therapists or wonderful co- sexual coaches and therapists. And this woman I met, I want to say last week, she said she did an exercise on a woman that was uh, abused, um, sexually abused, where she got to play the antagonist. This was like all negotiated and consensual. She got to play the antagonist, but the role was that, the, that her client got to tell her no. Yeah. Right? And she would just keep asking, can I touch you here? No. Can I touch you here? No. Please, can I just touch you here? No. Let me touch you here. No. And letting the person just be able to own their no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let that person really be able to heal whatever that, that, that trauma was of being violated by, by, by being able to state their no and for it to be respected. You talking about you might get emotional. You about to make me. <laughs> oh boy. Mm. So there's many, many, many healing practices Whew. that can come out of this. That one right there. That one right there. <sighs> okay. Um, so for me. Yes. Yes, for you. How do I heal as being a dominant? Well, I spend a lot of my life, most of my life, feeling like I was weak. Or feeling like I was lesser than, or feeling like I was, because I'm only five seven and one thirty five. I felt like you know I always had to fit the, that get that gay role of like, oh, I'm you know he's so little, he's so cute. No, I'm actually a storm waiting to happen, and yeah. this is the place where I get to exercise my strength, where I get to exercise, which is not even in my body. I mean, it is in my body. I'm a strong person, right. strong physically, but it's really. My beauty is in my mind. Mm-hmm. My beauty is in being able to like un, uh, get you to a place of being comfortable in my space. That is actually how I used to get to have all these sexual experiences with all these beautiful people. It's just by simply being able to make them feel comfortable with, yeah. me, with me having me around. And so I get to use that now. And once, once a person is ensnared 
in my allure. <laughs> Come on, ensnared in my allure. Okay. It, it, it really is. I can't. It's something. It doesn't come from an arrogant place. It comes from like there is such a vast interest in what it is to to, to be um, kinky and to be into BDSM and to be black. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so when I tell you know the little black boy or the the the, the handsome black man or the older black man or whoever or the the woman because this space has allowed me to actually find my pansexuality. Mm. Right. Kink doesn't really have a gender. Because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here to, to do what I can take whoever, wherever. Yeah. And so, like, even, so even in that, that's healing. Yeah. Right? Even in that, even, even in me being able to, like, outlive the restriction of, you know, being a Baltimorean, once you like guys, you're gay. There's right. no guy. There's no pan. There's no, there, there's no exploration outside. Because when I, women weren't trying to have it. They weren't trying to you, you. They weren't trying to hear you explain the fact that you have history with males, mm-hmm. right? But I am now. I'm not in that place anymore, which has been healing in itself. Yeah. Right. But just being able to like fully, I guess, develop my wings and flex my strength and show who I am in my fullest, um, and and in doing so, uh, seeing so many people come out in support or come out in interest. That is that is healing. Hmm. Phew. Okay. <laughs> I was sitting here when you were explaining that that last scene earlier. I was about to lose it, but I was like, okay, now he can't lose it because I'm already feeling like I'm on the precipice of tears. So. <laughs> oh, I was there with you. I think we both have to take a moment, but like that is what I experience on a daily, my daily basis, my daily living is like, you know, I have people that are accountable to me and that I am accountable, accountable to that call me master and that call me sir. Yeah. And my job for them. Yeah. I'm their sadist. I deliver their discomfort and all that. But those who are subscribed to me, I also maintain their discipline. Yeah. I also maintain their health habits. Like I also keep what we call my boot on their neck. Mm-hmm. So, so let's translate that for like, say a gay population. Say you have a, a hard time with adherence to your, uh, your antiretrovirals or your antivirals. Mm-hmm. Well, my job is to then instate structure, discipline, BDSM, the yeah. discipline to make sure that you are at your healthiest so that you can serve me at your healthiest. Yeah. Right? If your things aren't together, that means you're going to affect me because I'm going to get really intimate with you. Mm-hmm really intimate with you and in order for me to do that i need to make sure that you are taking care of yourself yeah. whether that is um and i tell my my girl all the time you know i can't beat you up if you're in a hospital bed right like or you 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 can't serve me if you're, you're passing out because your your, your sugar's too high like mm-hmm. i need you to be taking care of yourself so that you can maintain um this and then in return so it is symbiotic like She's, she, she lives longer and she lives more stable because of that. And, in, yeah. and then in, in return, she does what I need her to do or what, what's, what uh, is a little, little stuff around the house. Sometimes they cook dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she cooks dinner. Great. And then after dinner, I might hypnotize her, right? Yeah. So that she feels full. 
because now because now we are at like uh me, me and my girl are in a, in a, a weight loss journey yeah right for her me i'm a weight i'm in a weight gain journey and she's in a weight loss journey yeah and so while she might have cooked the meal i'm then able to hypnotize her to for for you know meal uh portions yeah so 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 there's a lot of things. I, I'm, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you saying all of that actually made me think of another question, but I'm going to wait until the very end to ask that question. So what I wanted to talk about now, this is, I mean, there will be a question in here, but I wanted to have a conversation with you about our experience together. Okay. So I don't think it had really dawned on me that, was I like one of the first people with you? Yeah. I don't think that had dawned on me until we talked like right before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And after it took place, you and I have never really discussed it. So I'm like, okay. I was holding on to it for this. Whatever. <laughs> for this. Whatever. I'm going to unpack it. Because I remember, I actually remember, I actually still have <clears throat> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I <clears throat> do too. So, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. But yes, I remember what you said after that. But I'll let you uh, take take me on the journey, and I'll fill in, or however you want to do this. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you what was the what was the experience like for you, and then I can say what the experience was like for me. Um. I guess the experience was for me an initial flex, mm -hmm. right? Because this was still new. Yeah. But I knew some groundwork of like delivering that scene, yeah. you know, like and keeping your attention and keeping you engaged in that experience. I think what really stands out to me typically is not it's not during the play because in the play I'm kind of on. Uh, cruise control to yeah. some extent, where I'm just kind of going. I'm just flowing. Right. As long as it's within, you know, parameters and consent, and I'm just flowing. But it's what happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, afterwards, you expressed that you hadn't been multitasked in that way before. Mm -hmm. And it, it was like uh, an experience for you because you were being stimulated in two different places that typically up until that point did not coexist. Yes. So from there, I'm like, when? <laughs> the goal is not to, it don't have to be something astronomical. Right. But, this is, but my, my personal goal is just to deliver something that you haven't experienced before. Yeah. That um, was absolutely something I hadn't experienced before. Uh, for me... I think what stands out the most was how you took care of me, you know, because of course, those of us who aren't in the community come in with kind of preconceived notions of what the experience will be like, you know, and there were different levels to the scene, right? Different rooms, different pieces of furniture, you know, like there were, oh, excuse me. There were so many different things that took place and I think the thing that I remember the, I mean, well, the whole experience I remember, but as far as understanding how you were taking care of me, the part 
that stands out the most was when you had me against the uh, full-length mirror. And what would that be called? Flogging that you were doing? Yes. Yes. So that, was, that was flogging. And oh, shit. That was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I have since retired those floggers. Those, now I consider those baby floggers because they were... I didn't know. I didn't know any at the time. Right. They were like very light. They were very. Um, they were something that you get out of a sex shop. I don't. I don't really particularly shop in sex shops anymore. Right. Uh, because of where I'm at, like I need like the the stuff that you don't get in the stores. Uh, the stuff that you that pretty much stays within our community. What you see, the whips and the chains that you see in your typical um, uh, sex shop is not the let's say, kinkster level of quality that's required for you to, that where if you're living this life. Yeah. What you get is a lot of novelty in the, in the sex shop uh, when it comes to, like, the BDSM equipment. Um, now my floggers are, 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 are real leather or thicker leather, you know, or, or they have, and they have more sensation, not necessarily stingy all the time. A lot of times there's a thuddiness, which the difference between that is, um, stingy is more like getting hit with a belt. Study is being more like hit with a book that'll knock the wind out of you. Okay. So like um, both of the, those sensations are different and floggers based on their weight and the length of their, the falls or the length, the length of those, um, the, we call them falls, but the tassels that are hanging from the handle, yeah. those are falls, the length of those, um, all of that gives different sensations. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, that you, so you had been flogged. Yes. Um, well, wow. Now, you know, it's like I had all this pride because back then when you did it, you were surprised by how much I could take. Now I feel like I didn't take so much because you didn't have a lot of things. It's been a growth process. Um, and it's not that the, it's not even, the, it's just simply the quality of the vloggers. That doesn't mean that you didn't take a lot. Right. It, just, it probably means that I put, had to put more energy into getting you there. Right. Versus, like you, like what you received, what you received is what you received. I just had to work harder. Now I have better tools where I don't have to work so hard. So hard. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, I was, um, I was saying as far as you taking care of me, something that I didn't know going into it was, you know, those moments where you would be flogging me. And then in between you would walk up and like kiss me here or there and make sure that I was okay. Ask if I was okay. I didn't know anything about that. You know, these aren't things that you see in movies when you're seeing BDSM and things of that nature, you know? So that made the entire experience different. Mm -hmm. To see the way that you care, you know, in the scene was mind blowing to me, you know? So that, that is probably what stands out to me the most. The, the multitasking, <laughs> that stands out a lot too, because as I had said, I'd never experienced anything like that, anything like that before. Right. And I still laugh to this day when I think of my reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was fantastic. And, you know, um, care, going back to the care, um, that care, honestly, and because it, 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 it exists in its fullest form, both before, during, and after. Yeah. Right? Like, care is negotiating and, and figuring out what is consensual, right? Yeah. Care is also, like, making sure that you warm the person up before you 
like get to the climax or until you get to the serious play. Care is being in the serious play and like you said, taking a moment to just check the temperature of the skin because the, the understanding that the warmer the skin, the hotter the spot that you've been hitting, the more that that person is feeling. Yeah. Care is also um, hearing that like if you say if you're in the, the the safe word system of red yellow green when you hear yellow that that person is saying either come check on me or slow down or care care and, and doing so instantaneously when they call yellow or hearing that person say red because they're completely um done yeah and hearing it instantaneously and, and, and having enough control of your own goddamn ego to say, okay, mm. you've gotten there. Like, I'm done. It's not yeah. about me. I got you where you need to go. So, like, care, and then care is also, after I have fucked your life up, embracing you. Yeah. And bringing you back down to earth, bringing you, letting you know that I care, even, even after I've been so mean, possibly (laughs) (laughs) and that I am here and that I am present with you. And it is a safe, that this is a safe space. And honestly, it is that care that will differentiate um, the, the, the scene, the meaningful and, and, and impactful scene from abuse. Yeah. Right. Or neglect even. Right. So even the harder, the harder, what people might not know, is the harder you play, because there's some extreme shit. Yeah. The harder you play, typically the more that's required after the fact. Mm-hmm. On both sides, aftercare isn't just for the bottom. Yeah. Aftercare is also for the person doing the work. So what it's like for me, um, as a as a sadist, like I can go I can go really far sometimes, and sometimes afterwards. I am in a place where I'm vulnerable, vulnerable because I don't naturally sit in a sadistic place. Yeah, yeah. I am technically skilled to be sadistic, but that is not my natural place. I am actually right. very much light and love and the healing space, right? I'm very much healing. Yeah. I understand the necessity of this process to get you somewhere, and I will not hold back to get you there. To get you there, yeah, absolutely. But afterwards, sometimes, because some people are built a lot stronger. So sometimes I'm being really sadistic. And then afterwards, I got to like, I have to know from them that they still under, understand my true nature. Absolutely. And I have, and they have to know from me that I am still present. Yeah. That that was just that scene. I am not, I am not going to abuse you from here on out. Mm-hmm. That was isolated to that. What is your process of letting go? What is your what is your dumping process? Um, my dumping process. Well, typically after a scene. What do you, what, what do you mean by dumping process of letting go? Let so it can be heavy, and like you were saying, you know who you are naturally is light and love. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a certain place, like let's, let's say that you have someone who can take a lot. So you're yeah. going harder than maybe you would normally go. Right. We call that dom space or top space. Just like in that space, they're going into subspace. Right. Or space. Right. right. So when, you, when the scene is over, 
and you have that weight on you of that scene. Mm-hmm. Let's say it is a situation where it was heavier than what you expected it to be. Mm-hmm. How, what is your, I mean, kind of not necessarily going back to what I said earlier as far as that particular healing, but in moments like this, how do you heal? How do you get rid of that journey that you just went on so that you can be fresh for yourself and for a new experience? I, okay, so for me, um, like I said, the aftercare is mutual. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that initial embrace uh, afterwards is the beginning, right? Oh. Like, that is because they are embracing me like I'm embracing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is um, the first step, I think, to me being able to release. I think the next step, the next thing would be to, like, make sure they get all the way out and get come all the way back to and and, and to a, a a clear and conscious space then typically they then reciprocate that to mm-hmm. help me come back to the the clear and conscious space um i love to debrief mm-hmm. i love to talk about what or i'll give an assignment mm-hmm like especially if I'm if it's somebody who's not someone who is consistently in my space, yeah. like somebody who's mine. But if it's somebody who I play with and like say they don't live close by, well, by the end of the week, I need you to have written a journal for me. Yeah. Right? Because there are been, there are things that may may come up that that may not may not have been there when we first came out of the scene. But upon pon- you know, upon pondering on what you experienced or thinking about it, breaking it down, there's something that unlocks or something that is an aha moment or a wow moment or a whoa, I didn't know that was going to do that to me moment. I, I want to know what those things are. Yeah. Those, because one, it helps, me t- it helps me understand who you are. It helps me understand where I took you. It un- helps me understand whether, and then even sometimes that may be a space where I'm like, okay, so now you need to go to your therapist. Yeah. Right, because if that trauma, if that memory of that trauma came back while I was flogging you, of that sexual, if that memory of that sexual abuse came back while I was flogging you, if that memory of that you know domestic violence came back while I was beating on you, now let's unpack that because yeah. you had disassociated from it, you had packed it away, mm-hmm. which is which is typically unhealthy because it surfaces in different ways subconsciously. These are facts. So like now that now that I've brought that back to you, now the responsibility is I guess more yours than mine. I like to say our, but that, that trauma needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Right? Like it's there. It has has been affecting you, whether you wanna sit on it, whether you wanna acknowledge that or not. Now now here's what you do with that. And mm-hmm. so being able to just have that have that conversation. Um that brings me back to my fullness. Mm-hmm. That, that, that process of um, making sure all is well yeah. makes me feel grounded. Okay. So now we go to the night that we went to when you were down here in Atlanta mm-hmm. and you took me to the Eagle with you. Yes. And that experience. And that's why I wanted to wait for you to give a breakdown to the misfits of, you know, the different roles and things of that nature, because it fits perfectly with this story. Yes. So share with the misfits what that night was all about that you took me to. 
Okay, so at the Eagle, uh, that night, we, went, we had an event called, uh, when I say we, it was the Onyx uh, South, I guess they're Southeast, yeah, Southeast Onyx um, had put on an event called Kinky Carnival mm-hmm. that weekend. And what that was, it's pretty much like um, black and POC leather folk coming together at the Eagle to either demonstrate or um, find community or um, experience something or just, you know, have a good time. Yeah. And so what you saw that night was a lot of activity because people had come from, from all over. I was there from D.C. Um, and so you saw, you know, flogging and you saw um, electro play and you saw um, human furniture. Um, a f- human furniture demonstration. There was there was a few things that happened. Um, um, again, I, I touched on earlier that in our world, top and bottom are not. Ooh, they're not the same. <laughs> yeah, um, it really is about the energy that you're that you're exhibiting, right. uh, not necessarily the position that you're in. Um, so speaking to like um, that human furniture. Uh, demonstration that the teacher there, her name was uh, Ma'am Chalk. We call her Ma'am Chalk Trey, Mistress Chalk Trey. And she was talking about autonomy mm-hmm. and removing autonomy um, and, and, and in order to create that furniture experience. Um, and in that spiel, I remember she mentioned, and it kind of gave me, that was an aha, from, aha moment for me, whether you know it or not, um, that she she gave an example. She said, if I am a dominant mm-hmm. and I have a male submissive and I tell him to get behind me and take me, does that make me any less dominant? Mm-hmm. And the answer to, to that question is no. Even though you are receiving yeah. something, you're receiving the impact, whatever that impact may be. Right. You initiated it. Yes. So therefore, it is still your power that you're like. It is your. It is still the your ball. Yes. Because it also stops when you say stop. Mm-hmm. Or it can stop. Or it can stop when the the top who is your submissive says his or her safe word. Yes. And so. Because, for instance, you may be telling them to hit you harder, mm-hmm. you harder, and they may get to a point where they are uncomfortable with hitting you harder. And so in that, they are going to call. They might say, ma'am, yellow. That doesn't make her, as the receiver, less dominant. Because she, as the receiver, upon hearing his submissive yellow, is going to get up and turn around and be like, are you okay? Yeah. Are you good? Understand that I'm good. I just mm-hmm. want to go harder today than usual. And, and, and once we have that, you know, clear communication of wanting to go harder than, you know, today, I, yeah, I, I, you might be experiencing me taking more, but this yeah. is because maybe I felt, I have felt something deeper since the last time we played. Mm-hmm. And then we and then we can go back once she has soothed him, 
or them. We can go back at it. Um, so you got masters, you got dominants. Um, each each of them respectively have their own, you know, f familiars or terms that are familiar. So like a, a, a dominant or a master that is female might be called ma'am or mistress or goddess or, 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 or a dame. Mm -hmm. um, baroness. Mm -hmm. Like um, then you have the male connotations that are, you know, sir, daddy, um, uh, master, king, what ha whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, but now we are where we are in our evolution, which is evolution being the welcoming of change and the embracing of tradition, is that um, you're seeing more non-binary mm -hmm. and you're seeing more uh, inclusion and or um, in some cases erasure of division. Mm -hmm. So there are some female uh, or there are, there are some women or, or female born mm -hmm. that, that consider themselves uh, daddy. Yeah. And that's perfectly acceptable. Mm -hmm. But there are some um, men that may feel very goddess-like yeah. in that moment. And that is perfectly acceptable. So we're in a space in our community now where we are perpetuating uh, growth and evolution and, and being able to acknowledge our siblings, yeah. uh, however they identify themselves, and being able to still be uh, respected and, and have reputation. Yeah. <clears throat> it was... Um... It was quite an experience for me, one, to see so many black people and people of color in this space, you yeah. know, uh, because I had just been introduced to the Eagle maybe a couple of months ago in Baltimore uh, prior to that in 2017, because that was still 2017, right? Or was that 2018? That was 18. 18, okay. Um, so yeah, so I had only found out, I mean, I had known about the Eagle for many years, but I had never actually been there until they, they had redid the Eagle in Baltimore. And then that was my first time going. And then- yeah, we had a lot of internal politics about that place. I'm sure. <laughs> and then uh, I went to, I didn't even know they had one in Atlanta. And yeah. then going with you and seeing so many people of color and, you know, it was one thing to be there with you and to see how wonderful that experience was when I was at your place in D.C. Mm -hmm. But to then go to the Eagle and see so many people from your community who were representing themselves in the exact same way. It was so friendly. It was so peaceful. I didn't see not one drop of shade the entire time I was in that space. Everybody was so respectful, you know. I gagged because I saw friends there, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't even know you were part of this community." I will say, there's shade everywhere. It just looks a little different. Okay. Because we, as leather folk, and this is, I think this is a really good place to talk about. Mm -hmm. like, we, as leather folk, have a higher standard of decorum. Gotcha. Right. We have a higher standard of what it is that we are willing to accept. Um, in our community, because this is supposed to be a safe space. Yeah. So there is zero tolerance for non-consensual acts. Mm -hmm. There is zero tolerance for um, uh, unskilled work, right? Mm -hmm. Like if someone sees 
someone playing that is doing so so dangerously. We don't. We are not bystanders. Right. We, we do our own self policing. We do our own self correction. So, mm-hmm. um, there is like there is you know, and when we talk about leather, leather isn't just something that it ha- has to do with like sexual arousal. It's it, even though that's how it's portrayed. Leather is a in my mind an overall moral governing of what it is to be a kingster. Yeah. So with all of this power, how are you, how are you wielding it? Mm-hmm. How are you, because um, kink, being kinky is powerful, right? Sec- yeah. Like em- embodying your sexual man fully is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. How do you safely handle it? How do yeah. you, how do you handle, you know, to much, to, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. So with all of that power now being unlocked, how do you demonstrate your responsibility with said power? Yeah. That's when you find leather. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was, uh, I even had, I don't know if I told you this, I had a coworker who was actually there mm-hmm. and she and I didn't realize that the, mind you, she was a part of the uh, furniture scene and I had no clue. And <laughs> I was on your, this was after you made the Sir Oya page. I was on there and I saw her face and I was like, wait, why does she look familiar? And so I clicked on her page and I was like, oh my God, like she's one of, she came in in my class, my training class. She came in with me. Was she, a, was she the lamp or the chair? I don't remember anymore. I don't remember. I just know that she was, she was a part of the scene. And then, you know, when all of us took the pictures, well, when all of you took the pictures together, she was with the madam. Okay. And she, yeah. And okay. so uh, she and I ended up talking about it. I was a little afraid because I was like, I don't want her to feel like, you know, this is my world and I don't want anybody at my job to know about it. No, but, but we also, that's another thing that we're very like poignant about is like, this is a safe space. Yeah. We, we only use, we only use people's, the name that they tell us to use. Yes. For their own safety. And we don't repeat that name unless they are a public figure that you're able to do so absolutely and even as a public figure you're only utilizing the name that they um that they give you yeah she was very open you know to the whole thing and yeah i mean we typically are but yeah and in the the way that the the community looked as we were you know walking around the different levels and we would go downstairs and things and seeing the flogging taking place and I don't like, like for, for me in my experience, my solo experience with you, you opened my eyes and my mind so much to when I was seeing all of this other stuff taking place. I mean, I was already open. I walked into the experience open and wanting to understand. Mm-hmm. And but I also know that you were with me. Yes. Yes. That, that made a big difference too. I was like, I need you, like, you got to wait for me. I need yes. you to like, roll with me. That made a huge difference. <laughs> and to, to go back to what you were saying earlier, as far as the thing with control, the reason why I enjoyed both instances with you, the solo and being there at the Eagle, was because I am someone who is naturally in control. Right. And, you know, I mean, even especially as a Scorpio, we are very, we're a very controlling sign, you know. So right. I look for opportunities to not have to be in that space. And you were someone that I trust completely. 
So being able to, in that solo experience, completely giving myself over to you. And then in the experience when we were at the Eagle, feeling like I, you know, you're telling me what to do and I'm just going along with what it is you're saying. All of that was a huge exhale for me. You know, I like that. Right. (laughs) You know, that early. And a lot of times, you know, I'm sorry. um, But a lot of times that is the case. It is the case that there is somebody like somebody that is very powerful that is looking for, that is used to making all the decisions. And, and this is where they can escape. Yes. Like this is where they can be like, oh, I, I, I'm putting my phone down. I'm not making decisions. I'm not answering any emails. Take me now. Right. Yes. And yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what was it like for you? We're going to transition now into you becoming Mr. Maryland Leather 2020. Okay. What was that experience like for you? Oh, uh, rigorous. So, you know, in hindsight, what I didn't know is I spent the first year and a half of my journey ripping and running, you know, going to Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, going to New York, going to L.A., going to um, all of these leather events that that gave me experience. I have um, um, a mentor, um, Master Eli Ra. Yeah. Um, and when I signed on to him, I told him what I wanted. It was a petition process. Um, for mentorship and I told him what it was that I was seeking and what I was seeking was to be a respected and reputable uh, dominant in the mm-hmm. community and I wanted to do it the right way and I didn't know what I'm what I didn't know what I was signing up for when I said <laughs> right away because um, you know it was boots we call we call it boots to the ground yeah. like pedal to the metal like being active being engaged volunteering in the community playing publicly so that people can see that you actually have skill, um, that you're actually not just a bedroom player, like um, exposing people to, you know, showing people new things in this community or showing people this community that, that they, you know, it might be new to them, like yeah. yourself. Um, it was a lot of like, being silent. I watched a lot. I watched a lot. I, I spoke very little just so I could observe what it was to be a part of this community. Um, and my, my mentor will tell you, or I will tell you, that my mentor did a good job of uh, being what I call the carpet beater, where he would kind of like be a troublemaker just so I could see what the sensitivities, the Rolodex, I call it the Rolodex of sensitivities, mm-hmm. um, that the, the politics in this community uh, encompass, right? Okay. Like, um, trans transphobia you know racism like there's bigotry ageism um uh ableism Mm -hmm. all of these things are heightened we have have a heightened awareness within this community and i saw that based off of like um my my run my tenure um and him you know disturbing or disrupting some folk you know just so i could see who i was dealing with and who i was going to be representing and um, so by the time I was ready to run for a title, um, which is kind of like, I don't know, some people, people have their different vantage points of looking at it. For me, it was like a, a coming of age, like a King Segura almost of like, I have a, now, after all of this, I have a valid experience to put up, to create a platform off of, right? Yeah. I, have a, I have a valid experience of like, what it is that I want to do with the title because I know I that I have found with the weak spot that I think I can nurture. Right. Right. Because of that, that, that run, that 
tenure that running the, the, the streets prior to. Uh, there's a lot of preparation involved. There's, you know, it's a, it's very much a pageant. So you mm. have to have your, your it's a we call it competition because you know, pageantry. You know, that <laughs> masculinity. But like, it is, it's pageantry. You know, you wanna, you gotta have like good leathers. You know, and the good leathers doesn't mean that they're new leathers. That means that um, they are fitting. Mm-hmm. You know. And that also means that hopefully you did the work to earn the leather, yeah. not just going to the store to buy the leather, which is so much more, which can be, I'm not, I can't speak for everybody, everybody has their own perspective, which can be so much more rewarding than just simply buying it by, you know, you, you committing to someone to serve, like maybe you could serve a mistress for a day and, and, and she'd be like, oh, let me thank you. Here's a new here's a new paddle. Oh, you could you could serve a, a a sir or a master for a, a a weekend, and they're like, you know what? I think I have a leather pair of pants and a leather shirt that might fit you. Mm-hmm. So like, earning leather is important. You of course there are things certain things that you just should absolutely buy, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're they they need to be unique to you. Um, but I spent my I spent my first year and a half earning my leathers and purchasing my leathers and making sure that I was in shape to be in competition. Um, I uh, write speech writing, um, run, oh, I ran against three, uh, two other people. Um, I had, um, I had mock panels because you have to do an interview to begin the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had people that were able to like pose questions to me um, that, or something of the quality that the judges were going to pose to me. Um, and then I fucked, our, our lingo, I fucked around and won, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> you know, don't really know what it's like to be a title holder until you do, um, until, you're, t- until you are one. People can tell you all day. Um, but like winning the title and having done the work to, to win the title and, and like, you know, boohooing on the stage because you actually like won it. And then after that, you know, literally the day after I'm getting messages in my inbox, congratulations on being the next, you know, Mr. Maryland, being the next Mr. Maryland Leather 2020. And now the work begins. Are you able to sit on the panel for another mock discussion? <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, can I breathe for a second? I, but, but now, you know, it, it, it was very much like, you know what? You proved who you were. We respect you for who you are now. And now, like, we need you to help perpetuate this. Yeah, yeah. We need you to help to keep this thing growing and flowing. Right. So, yeah. I so it was like one chapter came to an end, but now it's time for the next yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that is. And so, you know, I've um, my title run has been slightly dampened, I guess you could say, because I would be doing a lot more traveling. Um, I was gonna go. To, I was gonna go to Berlin this year, and I was gonna go uh, to San Francisco for these kink festivals and such. But uh, we got quarantined. So what? What you wind up seeing is like the whole cl- class of title holders for this year, um, kind of fig- trying to figure out how to make the year impactful, or still do the work, but be inside. 
Well, they, they, they haven't thought, and I mean, I guess, I guess I can understand if they didn't want to do this, but they haven't thought of just letting you all roll over to 2021. Oh, so, or, we, so a lot of us are. Okay. And so I am, a, wait, uh, this doesn't come out for another week or so. So I can say <laughs> I will actually be Mr. Merlin Leather 2021 as well. Okay. Um, they, they're giving me, I won't run until, I won't give up my title until November of next year. Okay. Versus November of this year. Gotcha. Um, so there's that. Um, they are announcing that tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, June 1. And a lot of the titles are doing that. Um, and even our international competition, which we feed into, so I'm, I'm, I am Mr. Maryland. I, it is a part of my responsibilities to do the international Mr. Leather competition mm-hmm. that is in Chicago. And uh, like they finally pulled the trigger on that, I want to say last week, to say that, it, you know, because of the current climate of what we were in, like, it's not safe because yeah. to be clear, when we go to these conferences and these, these events, these competitions, they are sex festivals, right? Like, they are, like, they, they, there is an exchange of fluids. There are people, there are, you know, people yelling across the room. Like, the things that could get you, like, caught up in COVID <laughs> uh, 100%, uh, in full effect, if not fuller than usual. So, <laughs> Um, it's just out of safety. It's, they they chose to kind of just put it on pause, and we won't resume that until um, May of next year. Okay. Um, but as far as like kind of, but still, you don't kind of want you, being in a position of leadership or like let's say a figurehead. You don't want to seem lazy. Yeah, you absolutely. Can, you can absolutely do nothing, but it it gets it really depends on who you are. Yeah. And I, you know, there, me and a few other people just didn't want to seem lazy. So, like, you know. I mean, why, the thing is, why be lazy when you have damn near a captive audience? Right. You, you know? So I got to be creative. And I wound up throwing um, a virtual party. Which nice. Was, uh, which was very much a win. Um, I used, I, I, I had gone to a few virtual parties, a few virtual kink nights or fetish nights um, to see different systems and mechanisms of how they have the best time yeah um and i have like i broke down the formula so like we have this thing where we i hope i don't give out too much well we can all eat (laughs) but like we have this thing where you go into zoom and everybody's mic is muted yeah and then but the dj is playing on a off-site like uh we call it twitch yeah. And so everybody is, it's almost like it's a silent party because mm-hmm. everybody's hearing the same thing, but we're not communicating because in a club, you really don't talk a lot. The point, right. the point is to dance, to come and enjoy yourself. So what I did was I kind of, uh, I, had a, I had about six, six to eight dancers that were like paid. So, and we started before we allowed people in the room. So yeah. when people came into the room. It was kind of already happening. Acclimate to the party of nice tune into the music and pull up your cocktail twerk something roll your j whatever that may be cook your meal but we're all partying together in the in in the in the comfort of our own homes and i mean it turned out pretty damn fantastic um i'm also doing fundraisers i've been i've done uh been able to create a funnel system Mm -hmm. where um people who are who are in a position to help can pot their funds 
and I distribute it out in uh, increments of fifty dollars. Yeah. Um, just you know, at at one point, fifty dollars was a, like it helped. Anything helped, right? Like in this uh, this situation, because people were not getting their unemployment on time. People were like getting laid off. People were like needing meals. Whatever the case might be, yeah, indiscriminate. However, there was a prior. There is a priority because of my constituency being Mr. Maryland. I prioritized Marylanders. Yeah, being Mr. Maryland Leather, I prioritized leather folk and Marylanders. And then whatever was left over, if there was just a person that needed help, I would distribute to them. But by, like I could, you know, in the spreadsheet, prioritize Marylanders and leather folk, like people who I knew were leather folk. Yeah. So um, it was just, a, it's been a really kind of great fundraiser. And now I'm in a place of diverting where like I'm still prioritizing, prioritizing Marylanders. I'm still prioritizing leather folk. However, if they are not leather and if they're not Marylanders, the remainder of the funds now is being distributed to the front lines of Minnesota and mm. and or um, any of the protests. So, like, I'm in a position of being able to funnel funds and distribute where it needs to be help. Absolutely, absolutely. That's beautiful, and I'm thank you for sharing that. Because I, I wouldn't have even thought of asking. So, thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. Well, that's that's that, that's. Title holder work. That's and that <laughs> what being leather. The leather is about being community. It's about yes. community. This is our chosen family, and and how do we help each other within this community? Because we are all weird together. Yeah, right? we're all weird and wired together. Yeah. So how do we? How do I? Or as a title holder, or we as a class of title holders, keep ourselves, keep our community cohesive, even while we're isolated. Yeah, so that's that's what this work has been. And my last and final question for you. So I have known you for years and I have seen your journey. I have seen your evolution. Um, most importantly, I've seen you truly become more comfortable in your skin and in your sexuality and honoring who you are and going through the journey of washing away, you know, things that were put on you. I'll put it that way. Things that were put on you. So my final question to you is, if Oya of 2020 could talk to little Oya, what would he say to him? Little Oya, like Oya, the beginning of my journey? Meaning like a little boy. The, 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 the little boy that had all of those rules that you spoke of earlier in the interview, all those rules, all of that strictness, not being able to fully fly and spread his wings is who he wanted to be. If you could talk to him now through all of those things that he was going through, maybe mentally, emotionally, what would you say to him? You really suck for this question. <laughs> I know really well, but anyway. Um, <laughs> what would I, say? I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't waver. Don't waver. I would do it. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't have regrets. Um, I think I don't have regrets because I feel like I have found a way to maximize and heal and to take what I have experienced and help to liberate others. Um, because we don't suffer for ourselves. We don't suffer for ourselves. We suffer so that 
we enable someone else to overcome their suffering. Mm. So all of the things, and this is, this is, you know, groundwork for what it is to be BDSM and be um, leather. It's like, you, you, you know, that being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable for a long time. And that I am now in a position to use all of that polish mm -hmm. and turn it against itself. I do what I do with a standard of excellence. Mm -hmm. That is how I shed my shame. I do what I do with a standard of artistry. That is how I shed my shame. I want to do what I do so well that it inspires others to either want to partake and if not partake, just be like, you know what? That's crazy shit, but it's beautiful. Yeah. So I would tell a little, oh yeah, Stay steadfast, unmovable. Follow, follow your heart, because there's a lot of heart there. Yeah. Thank you. And you will finally get to a place where you will get to show that heart repeatedly. And as a mistress told me once, we, we, we feel for those who can't feel. And we cry for those who can't cry. And there's a person out there who is numb, who has been through so much that they are numb and disassociated. And I get to do the work of helping them heal and helping them feel. Stay steadfast, Oli. Oh, I shouldn't have asked that question at a distance. I just want to hug you now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just want to hug you now. Oh, that was a beautiful answer. That was a beautiful answer. And I know that he, like I, am proud of the person that you have become. Again, you suck. <laughs> and people don't really realize that the more, like, the more sadistic you become, the more, like, vulnerable and, like, emotional, like, I've never been such a crybaby. <laughs> so powerful in the same instance. It's like, come on. It's insane. Listen, but that, be and, and I'm not even going to get into it, but that begins a whole conversation about understanding how powerful you can be when you connect to the fullness of who you are, because you're able to tap into all of your raw emotions. And so there's no shame. There's yeah. no shame. You know, we're. Care. Listen, listen. I don't care because if my tears affect someone, if my tears uh, or the crack in my voice is just is is making someone feel that I am earnest about what I'm saying, yeah, that's what it is. Yes, yes. It is. It, you like we t we tend to look at our tears as something of a weakness, and it is absolutely not. The complete opposite. It's, it is a tool. It is a tool for release. It's a tool for growth. Yes. I mean, even, even think about it. Just think of the idea of water <laughs> and what water does. <laughs> like growth. Don't be stagnant. Like, you know, feel your fullness. Yeah. Feel your fullness. Come on. I'm going to stop you because you know we keep talking. So... <laughs>
this definitely cannot be the last time you are with me in the misfits you have to come back to the podcast again for sure for sure thank Thank you so much for this time absolutely such a joy i think uh you asked really good questions and you i got to i don't feel like i gave a partial picture which is great (laughs) (laughs) no and i think i think the misfits are definitely going to learn a lot from this so uh (laughs) we are going to uh go into good news misfits hopefully you've enjoyed it we'll be right back Put them both behind your head. Uh. Shit is getting 
deep, deep up in there I feel your legs getting weak up in there Yeah, face full of that gushy I'm close, baby, don't push me This is how it always should be When, when we fuck I can be a savage. I just need your blessing. Say that I can nap. When we fuck. When we fuck. And now it is time for good news. So, thank you to Sir Oya for such an insightful conversation. Thank you for your honesty and your transparency. Thank you, Oya, for your vulnerability. I see you and I love you. I hope you got something out of this conversation, Ms. Fitz. I really hope you do. Now, I've seen a lot of people online shaming folks for not doing what they deem to be enough in regards to black lives. And I'm not okay with it. So I wanted to speak to those who may be feeling less than or unjustly attacked. You can make a difference. Know that you don't have to protest in March in order to make that difference. Anxiety is real. And you may feel uncomfortable going to a march and being around so many people. Not only that, but we're in the midst of a pandemic. Some of you may have compromised immune systems or may simply not want to chance it. Also, many people have been let go from their jobs and were denied unemployment, so they can't donate money. But here's what you can do. Advocate for our rights. Be it black rights, queer rights, trans rights, non-binary rights, disabled rights, and more. Make your voice heard where and when you can. Don't be silent. If you can't donate, inspire others to do so. Google information and educate yourself more on the issues. There's so many things available at your fingertips. Also have tough conversations with people you care about in regard to these issues. I admittedly still struggle in this area myself. Some people I have no issue educating, others not so much. It's a journey and I own it, but those conversations will need to happen. And to those doing the judging, please understand your privilege and lay off. Though you can go out and march and donate, Others are just hoping they know where their next meal is coming from, praying that they're not going to be attacked. You want people to march, but many within the black trans community are scared to even leave their homes. I hope you understand your privilege and operate out of a more loving space with your words and actions going forward. Okay, so with that done, 
let's get some shout outs out the way for this good news. First, my brother Kevin Dwayne is back with the Outline Podcast. This episode is entitled Find Your Space Hashtag BLM. Make sure you guys check that out. Outline Podcast is on all major streaming platforms. Glad to have you back, Kev. Also, Black, Gay, and Stuck at Home. You know, I've told you guys quite a bit about that. And on the last episode, Mike educated you on that as well. Black, Gay, and Stuck at Home is hosted by Mike Ward and Josh Jenkins. And they, I, they believe every two weeks, every two weeks, you can catch them. You can go to their website so that you can make sure you RSVP. And you can be on Zoom with all of us. There are a lot of awesome people from the LGBTQ community who all get on Zoom so that we can watch movies together. Last Friday was a double feature, uh, Looking for Langston and Tongues Untied. We had a great time. We had a great time. They are also now sponsored by Jacked. So listen, they're making things happen. They're making things happen. I'm proud of them. So make sure that you support. And lastly, I want to give a shout out to Dan- Daniel J. Downer. He is the executive director of Bros, the Bros and Convo Initiative. Listen, he is or might be the hardest working man I know. Like, real talk. <laughs> for, for a while, I would always get on him about making sure, you know, that he took time out for himself. But after a while, I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave you alone because this may be his healing. You know, this may be how he finds peace. Um, is by doing that. So I was like, I'm just going to let it go and just send you love and light so that at some point you'll lay down <laughs> and just show up for yourself. Because my goodness, he shows up for our community in a big way. In a big way. He is constantly working for the black queer community uh, to make sure that everyone's seen. Everyone. It doesn't matter who you are under LGBTQIA. Like He, he is doing the work. He's doing the work. Um, I love and appreciate this brother greatly. And yeah, so those are the shout outs. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Uh, I hope that we provided you with a good bit of balance, you know. Um, And I just hope that you stay encouraged. A lot is changing in the world right now. A lot is changing in the world. And not everyone is existing in a space of rage. Also, not everyone is existing in a place of peace. Uh, People are in different spaces. Honor where you are and demand that people respect where you are as well. Don't be bullied into feeling one way or the other. If you'd like to be able to walk with us on social media, that is THS Podcast across all platforms. Um, with the exception, excuse me, of Twitter, which is underscore THS podcast. You can uh, find us on our official website, wearetlm.com. You can get to the healing space from there. Also, my official website, scorpiogi.com, uh, which you can also walk with me on social media across everything at scorpiogi. That is scorpiogi. So, it's time for us to go. <laughs> But we continue. We started with James Brown, and so this is the bookend. We're going to end with My Power, which is off of The Lion King, The Gift. This is definitely my favorite song from that soundtrack. So I hope that you all enjoy. And until next time, I love you all so much. Namaste.
always in the lead. Who you wanna be? I'm who they wanna be. B E A U T Y E. Never seen so much rage from a queen. Rage from a queen. Queen so strong, thought she was a machine. Girl of your dreams, Sinclair regime. Turn to the max, can't forget Maxine. Refer to me as a goddess. I'm tired of being modest. 100 degrees the hottest. If we're being honest, ebony and ebonics. Black people win, they say we're being demonic. Angel in disguise, I hate it, I have to disguise it. Why you got to despise it? Rich in the mind is why I'm making deposits. Carry all the power, it's time to realize it. Take my power. 